It's the Epiphany Sunday, and it's the very first Sunday of the year 2020. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, some of us cannot believe that is a reality, but we got to accept the reality. Um, as you think about what kind of life you like to lead this year, I'm wondering what kind of questions you are asking at the beginning of the year. Because the quality of questions we ask often determines the quality of answers we seek and receive. You know, in educational classroom setting, teachers, typically including myself, tell students there are no wrong questions, right? There are no wrong questions. But what I'm telling you right now is that in actual real life, there are actually wrong questions that lead to wrong answers. Wouldn't you agree, right? But still, still, even when we ask wrong questions, Jesus, out of his mercy, directs us to right questions. In our text today, the crowd asks Jesus a series of what they think earnest, but wrong questions. But Jesus provides for them right answers, that is, what they need to hear. So as I read along the text, John 6 25 to 35, please follow along. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life. Which is the Son of Man will give, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then? so that we may see it and believe you. What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The word of the Lord. So I suggest that if you are able, if you have your Bibles, keep your Bible open because we'll go, we'll actually go over this passage verse by verse. But rest assured that it's not going to take a long time. It's only 10 minutes. Okay. So in this text, we have three particular questions from the crowd to Jesus. First question comes in verse 25. Rabbi, when did you come here? It's important for us to recognize that this verse 25 comes after verses 1 through 24. 
That's obvious, right? <laughs> so then the question is, what happened in those verses? So first of all, Jesus fed 5,000 plus people by multiplying five loaves and two fish. It's a familiar story. When the people experience a miracle, now in the Gospel of John, a miracle is called a sign, which actually displays Jesus' glory and calls forth faith from people. So when people experience a sign, they proclaimed him the prophet and wanted to force him to become king. So what does Jesus do? He actually withdrew into a solitary place because his kingdom is not of this world. Later that evening, his disciples went across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. And there's a second sign happening. Jesus walking on water to his disciples and then all of them made it to the other side of the sea. The next day, the crowd realized that Jesus was gone. So they sailed to the other side of the sea, Capernaum, and finally found Jesus there and then asked this question. Where, I mean, when did you come here, Rabbi? In our English idiom, it's more like, a, where have you been? Where have you been, Rabbi? So how does Jesus respond to that question? Complete dismissal of their question. Jesus does not answer their question at all. Right? Rather, Jesus exposes their motive. By so basically, Jesus is uh, saying why, are, why they are seeking Jesus. He's exposing that motive, why they are seeking Jesus. So verse 26, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you had a good meal and were pleased with that. Yes, the crowd saw the sign, saw the miracle, but they did not see what the sign signified. Jesus saw through them that their search for him was actually self-serving. They sought after Jesus because of what they could benefit from him. If they stay with him, they will never go hungry again because they now know that he can multiply bread. They always have false stomachs. So, as Jesus exposes their real motive... Perhaps a right question for us to ask in this beginning of the year may be, why are we seeking Jesus? Why are we seeking Jesus? Is it because of benefits we get from him? Or is it because of the relationship we have with him? Jesus' response goes on in verse 27. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set the seal. Now, let's admit it. All of us are tempted to work for food that spoils, for things that will disappoint us in the end. So my question is this, what is that food for you? What perishable food are you fixated on 
that is keeping you from seeing your deepest need, that is keeping you from life eternal. We are created for a relationship with God. Jesus is saying here, work hard for that imperishable food. Work hard for that relationship, that life with capital L, whose very source is Jesus, the God-sealed Son of Man. Here, note the irony of Jesus' invitation, though. Work for the food which endures for eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. This paradox echoes the invitation of God in Isaiah 55, 1. Come by wine and milk without money and without cost. The whole point of working hard for this imperishable food is that it's a gift from Jesus, the God-sealed Son of Man. But look at the crowd's response and their second question in verse 28. What must we do to perform, that is to work, the works of God? They completely miss Jesus' point of that being the gift, right? His word about working to receive a gift of imperishable food is now changed by the crowd into a question about their own performance of works of God, uh, works that God requires them to do. Notice that it's the works of God, plural, as though there are many works of God that God is requiring us to do. But in verse 29, notice how Jesus replies in the singular. This is the work, singular, of God. That is, this is the work by God. There is just one thing that the one God alone must, can, and will do in us so that we can do it. That is, we believe in him whom God has sent, Jesus Christ. Therefore, even the work of faith that we do is the work that God does for us, in us, and through us. Our faith is indeed God's gift to us. In response to that, look at their third question, verse 30. What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? They, the crowd, now shift the burden of who is to work from themselves to Jesus. You tell us to believe you, all right. You give us something we can believe, what are you going to do? They are essentially challenging Jesus to do something when he himself has already done an incredible something for them by feeding the 5,000 plus people. And just in case Jesus cannot think of any sign to do, they have an idea. Verse 31, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Aha, uh-huh. this is what they want him to do. 
they are intentionally contrasting Moses with Jesus. As one commentator notes, one commentator notes, Moses fed several hundred thousand people over a 40-year period. But Jesus fed just 5,000 plus people in, on one afternoon. Moses' manna came from heaven, whereas Jesus' bread, from, bread came from little boy's lunch. Moses' bread was divine manna, but Jesus' bread was cheap barley. The crowd is basically saying, if you are really the big deal son of man you now seem to be talking about, you should be able to prove yourself superior to Moses. Give us Moses-sized sign. So what does Jesus, how does Jesus answer them? He basically turns around every part of their demand for divine proof in verses 32 to 33. It was not Jesus, it's not Moses, Jesus says, who gave bread from heaven to you. Rather, it is my Father who gives, rather, who is presently giving the true bread, the real bread from heaven, not just to you and your ancestors, but to the whole world. Then the crowd responds to Jesus, give us this bread always, verse 34. They now understand that the bread of which Jesus speaks is better than the bread given to their ancestors. But they're still thinking in terms of baked, perishable bread for their own stomachs. To that, Jesus reveals himself in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The bread crowd requested is already before them, and is the very person of whom they made their request. Then, only by coming to Jesus, that is, only by believing in Jesus, they can never go hungry or thirsty. Here, Jesus is saying, I am what you are looking for. I am the bread of life. Then what does he do? Jesus goes to the cross, and there Jesus, the bread of life, is broken for us. Of all the breads out there, Jesus is the only bread who is broken for us, for our eternal life. All the other breads will rather break us sooner or later. They will leave us broken because they are perishable. Jesus then says in verse 54, Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. Here, Jesus' invitation is open to all hungry and all thirsty sinners so that we might feast on his grace and so that we might drink the cup of his forgiveness and love. So, brothers and sisters, 
Let us turn away from all the perishable bread that we've sought after. And let's come to Jesus and believe in him for the satisfaction that only he can offer by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Now we have the very first communion of the year 2020. We practice what is called the open communion. You don't have to be a member of this church or any church, or you don't have to have any affiliation with the denominations. So as long as you know that you are thirsty and hungry for the Lord, come, the invitation is to you all. Thank you for listening. If you would like to learn more about the Free Methodist Church of Santa Barbara, you can visit us online at fmcsb.org. We pray this message has been a blessing to you.